0: Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today, and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach.
1: Okay, I have questions for you. Do you want to learn what a true expert negotiator knows when entering a big negotiation? Or would you rather understand how you can improve your own negotiation skills? Or maybe you're a bit nervous when a negotiation situation is approaching, and you'd like to acquire a few tactics in order to be ready and confident. If so, then you're in the right place today as we will dive into all things negotiation. This is Sastry in the Making. I am your host, Matt Wallach, and I'm excited to be joined today by my special guest, expert negotiator and Negotiations Ninja podcast founder and host, Mark Raffin. Mark, how are you?
0: I'm well, man. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Absolutely. I am thrilled to have you here. I'm really looking to learn about negotiation. I don't know how good my own negotiation skills are. Um, So I'm kind of thrilled to be able to get a better understanding of how I could be a better negotiator negotiator, and uh, learn from your experience. So I appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you very much, man. It's very exciting to be here. I love your show. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, So just a little bit about Mark for everybody out there. He's an expert at negotiation and influence and persuasion. As I mentioned, he is the founder and host of the Negotiations Ninja podcast, which I love that name, Mark. I think that's great. (laughs) It is the number one negotiations podcast in the world. So he's doing some great stuff. Lots of people listen to it. And really what they do there is they explore negotiation strategy and negotiation tactics and all kinds of stories of failure and success around negotiation. He's also the founder of Content Callout, which is an awesome, awesome marketing company and agency that creates stunning and influential B2B brands. So Mark, once again, thank you so much for being here.
0: Yeah, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, interact with the listeners. I'm excited to have a conversation
1: with you and, and get down to the nitty gritty of what works and what doesn't work. Absolutely. Perfect. So let's jump right in. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing lately at Content Callout and Negotiations Ninja. And what's coming up?
0: So Content Callout is an agency that I started 10 months ago. uh, And the entire purpose of that business is to do content marketing for B2B brands, uh, mid sized companies. So if you're a tech startup, for example, if you've gone through Seeds Sage, and you're entering into Series A, Series B, uh, we're the perfect marketing agency for you. When you're thinking about Negotiations Ninja, the entire purpose of that business is to evangelize good negotiation practices, whether it's on the sales side or the procurement side, MA, uh, hostage negotiations, all of that. We have guests ranging from the chief hostage negotiator of the FBI uh, down to sales professionals. And it's been an amazing journey, and, and I've learned a lot during that
1: process as well. I can imagine. That sounds unbelievable. Let me ask you, it's because it's uh, kind of a a niche that you've gotten yourself into here, Mark. How did you develop a skill and a passion for negotiation?
0: I think I've always been fascinated by human behavior and psychology. My entire career has been in the sales and procurement uh, business. And I decided that the corporate thing just wasn't for me. And so a few years ago, I decided to launch out on my own and, and start my own training and coaching business, which really actually just started out as a blog, uh, as a sort of creative outlet. Then the blog led to a podcast and the podcast led to the training business. And you know now we do business with some of the largest uh, brands in the world, teaching their teams how to negotiate better deals and get better value. So for me, it's been a, a lifelong Journey of trying to understand how people think, how people are going to respond, uh, and and understanding behavioral economics, really, to a large extent.
1: So I, I think it's really fascinating. And I'm sure I'm such a novice at understanding what it is you do. But I, I want to really understand when you say negotiation and you're working with these companies, where is this negotiation happening? Is it purely on in sales or are there other areas? I I you know can think of some some. Some other examples, like when you're getting a new job and you want to negotiate all of the, the offer and benefit stuff, uh, or you're trying to negotiate where to go to dinner with your kids and try and reason with them a little bit. So what, where, where are you teaching these skills and where all can they apply?
0: Enterprise sales and enterprise procurement teams, that's who I mainly work with, and then some leadership work as well, teaching leaders how to negotiate better with their teams and amongst each other, how to communicate better. I don't do work in in the personal space, so if you're trying to buy a car, I'm not the guy you want to call, (laughs) mainly because I just don't have the time. I probably could help you, uh, but my time is better spent dealing with large teams, teaching them how to get better deals what's interesting about what you said though is that negotiation exists everywhere it exists in everything that we do whether it's at home negotiating with a dog to go pee outside or <laughs> you know where you know what home are we going to put mom and dad in or what are we going to have for dinner or you know hiring and firing and deals it's everywhere it's everything that we do and so many people think that negotiation is is just the conversation. But it really starts with the first interaction that you have with that person to set the stage. And so I I think one of the things that a lot of people misunderstand is that it's a very sort of wing it mentality to come in like a gunslinger and shoot and ask questions later. But it's actually very strategic. And it can be very strategic as long as you treat it as such.
1: Yeah, I, I imagine it's extremely strategic, and that's something that uh, I really want to dive into. So what are you exactly helping these companies with? So when they say, hey, Mark, we want you to come in and, and really coach our teams, what what are they looking for? Are they just looking for better sales or maybe uh, better win rates, or is it is it uh, uh, higher deal sizes? What exactly are they looking for?
0: Yeah, all of the above. Mainly, I help them with understanding... First, let's develop a baseline structure, right? So how do you approach negotiation? And is that approach to negotiation standardized across your entire team? Because God forbid someone in a sales team or a procurement team decides to leave, and they leave a bunch of work on their desk. How do you know where they've left off? How do we create some sort of standardized approach to negotiation? So a lot of it is creating the structure and the strategy to help them succeed in a standardized way and then showing them the tactics to backfill on that. So once you develop the strategy, once you develop the way to approach things, once you've learned how to do the research and the preparation, now how do we deliver that? What are the words that we use? What's the body language that we use? Facial expressions, gestures, all of that kind of stuff to make sure that the strategy doesn't fall flat, that it doesn't just fizzle out. Because you've got to be able to not only prepare and plan, but you've also got to be able to deliver.
1: I think that's great. And I love hearing you say structure and process because that's exactly what I teach on the sales side as well. I think it's absolutely critical to to have that type of structure on in, in what you're doing. I've seen it, I've talked with all kinds of people who are buyers, and they say that when they're looking at, at at buying something, of course, we focus on software here. When they're looking at buying software, they might have a bunch of different companies they're looking for, and all of the products look the same. So for the buyer, it's really which sales process stands out, who stands out as a salesperson, as a sales team, as a company, as somebody, hey, they seem like they're on it. They seem like they have a good understanding of of what's going on. They're confident. And and this is the company I want to work with. It sounds like it's very similar to what you're working with in negotiation.
0: Yeah, very similar. I, I think that far too often people get stuck into one methodology or one practice or one way to approach a negotiation. In fact, there's a lot of authors, negotiation authors and negotiation experts that'll say, you know, my way is the only way. And I want to be clear to everyone that you should be testing and trying as much as you can, because what you may find works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another person. Or maybe you just have a better success rate with something else. So don't just Stick to one strategy, don't just stick to one approach, make sure you consume as much as you can in terms of variety and depth in the subject matter to make sure that you can be successful.
1: So what are some mistakes that that people might make if they're going into a negotiation? What are some of the things that rookies may uh, do pretty poorly that you see?
0: They don't prepare. That's the biggest issue that I see with a lot of junior level negotiators. They go in grossly underprepared. And when I say prepare, I mean, what do you know that's going to help you to become successful? Because so many of us are tied to the outcome of a negotiation. But the truth of the matter is, we think that we're in greater control of the outcome than we actually are. We think that we can create the outcome that we need. All we really can do is improve the probability of that outcome being in our favor. And so in order to improve the probability of that outcome being in our favor, we need to plan, we need to prepare. And so when we think of that, start to think about what do you need? What do you want out of the negotiation? And I I said those words separately because it's critical to understand that there's a difference between need and wants. A need is something that you must have. A want is something that's nice to have. Now, the need is the logical portion, right? Like I need a Toyota to get from point A to point B. I want a Ferrari. It would be amazing to have the Ferrari. And the want has this emotional pull that we have on the negotiation. We need to be able to separate between those two things, whenever we're preparing to make sure that we're absolutely getting the things that we need. And we're making sure that if we can get the things that we want, great, that's the gravy, that's where we want to be eventually. But it all comes down to what you need and what you want out of the business. And then not only that, but what does the counterparty need? And what does the counterparty want? And that comes through our ability to ask really good, targeted, open-ended questions. You know, what are the challenges facing your organization? Why do you suppose your organization is facing those challenges? How do you see yourself overcoming those challenges? All of those are open-ended questions to drill down deep and to make sure that you're not just satisfied with that first level of answer that you get, but to probe on that. And that's what's required to prepare and plan for a negotiation. Now, you know, we can get into a discussion about financial analysis and making sure that the company you're doing business with is uh, liquid liquid. So you can do a liquidity analysis, full capitalization, all that kind of stuff is really, really important. You want to do the nitty gritty financial details for sure. But understanding what you need and want is the basis.
1: I love it. I love it. I think it sounds amazing. And I think a lot of my clients right now are cheering, listening to this because you said, don't just take the uh, surface level question. You need to dive deep and really get to the heart of it. I teach that exact same thing as part of my perfect deal process. So I'm sure for uh, a lot of you out there who uh, have gone through my process, a lot of my clients are probably saying, yes, yes. Okay. So that's that's awesome. I'm glad we agree on that, Mark. Um, and and I, I didn't used to think of this, but A lot of the people that I start working with when they're just getting into selling, I realize that they're afraid of selling. Do you Mm -hmm. find that people are afraid of negotiation when they see something come up? Do they get a little worried and a little anxious about it?
0: Absolutely. No question. I think it's, it's very, very common. In fact, I would say it's rare to have a person who doesn't get afraid of some sort of negotiation. And I think a lot of that's tied to our fear of rejection or our our fear of ridicule and I, i think we can all probably remember that first time that we got rejected or we got ridiculed and that unfortunately we carry that around like luggage for a lot of our lives and it it's pervasive in the way that we do work and the way that we build relationships and so for a lot of people because they're afraid of that rejection and that ridicule they actually they almost negotiate with themselves before they even go into the negotiation because they're thinking to themselves, well, you know, I shouldn't ask for that. That's not quote unquote reasonable. And maybe I should ask for something less. Uh, Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll ask for something more reasonable. And they go in and ask for something less and then the person negotiates with them anyway. And now they're coming down off of that number or off of that product or off of that volume, whatever it might be. And and they've lost a massive opportunity. And so I think a lot of people almost shoot themselves in the foot because of this fear that exists.
1: Yeah, I would I would imagine. So it sounds very logical that that would happen. But let me ask you. So what are some ways that people can develop negotiation skills?
0: Man, read as much as you can on everything that you can about communication, persuasion, influence, negotiation, sales, procurement. If you're not investing at least a half an hour to an hour every day to get better at what you do, you're really missing the boat. And then not just read, but apply the material. So everyone always says, you know, knowledge is power. It's not. The application of knowledge is power. I could know a ton, but if I don't use it, then what's the point? Like, why do it? And take as many courses as you can invest in yourself, because your company may not decide to invest in you. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't invest in you. There's a there's a great quote by Jim Rohn, who I think was Tony Robbins um, mentor, he said, learn to work harder on you yourself than you do on your job. And you'll begin mm-hmm. to improve on your job so much that you won't necessarily need one. And so... Wow. That concept of learning to work harder on yourself, I think for a lot of people is a is a difficult concept to wrap your head around, because we believe that we're owed something from the corporation that we work for, right? Like, this company owes us, and therefore they should pay for the training. We all know that that the likelihood of that happening for a lot of people is really, really low. So don't wait on someone else to give you something, go get it, go get the training, go learn the stuff that you need to learn, and then apply it. Practice, practice, practice.
1: So I think that's great. So I think that kind of will build the skills. And I think with anything, you should absolutely practice, learn it, apply it. I I, I absolutely love that. But let's say somebody's got something coming up. Other than, uh, you know, working with you, which I think they should after hearing this, I think people should if they're in enterprise sales. But let's say they do have something coming up. What strategies can our listeners, our founder, people that are that are listening to the show, what can they employ for an upcoming negotiation?
0: Yeah, so I, I think first and foremost, you got to you got to role play, right? So let's just say, let, I'm going to make the assumption that you've done your planning and your preparation, you sure. you know, the other company's financial status, you understand, Their capitalization, you understand their liquidity, you understand whether or not you can do business with them on a go forward basis, you understand who you're going to be negotiating with, all of the preparations done, I'm assuming that. So let's see, let's just assume that that's all been done. Now let's role play. So what do you need? And what do you want out of the negotiation? Have you got that all written down? Now, how are you going to ask for it? How are you going to make sure that you express your needs and express your wants properly? What are you going to do to make sure that the counterparty fully understands and appreciates what you need to get out of this conversation? And what questions are you going to ask to ascertain what they need and want? All of this can be prepared ahead of time. And it can be role played with someone in your organization who's going to play maybe A good role play and then a bad role play to find out where all your holes are in your Mm. negotiation outlay so make sure that you're ready there's a a concept that the military uses called red teaming so the military is amazing at preparing for an operation right they plan 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 and then they role play that operation they'll play it out in, in battle games over and over and over and over until it becomes wrote for people right it just it, they just react they know exactly what to do at the right times but then yeah. what they do to make sure that they understand where all of their weak spots are is they bring in something called a red team that red team's entire job is to find out where all of the weaknesses are that exist within that operation and within wow. the team. So what I think that you really need to do before you go into any kind of substantial negotiation is to role play it as much as you can, but then bring in someone who can find out where all of your weaknesses are. Now, this is a very humbling experience, and it's not fun. But it's critical to know where your weaknesses are. Because I promise you, if you go into a negotiation with someone who knows what they're doing, they will find your weaknesses, they will expose them, and they will utilize it to their advantage. Better for you to know that ahead of time and adjust for it so that it doesn't become an issue later on.
1: Yeah, I absolutely think that that would be the, the right way to do it. But how many of the, the companies you work with or the people you're talking to actually role play? I, I can, Bagel. Yeah, exactly. Zero.
0: <laughs> Until I come on board, they, it's there's not a thing that they do in place, right? So even if you don't use me or, or use your services, for example, or another trainer, know that this is something it's low hanging fruit it's easy even if you just implement it today you set aside some time during every single month every single week whatever it may be whatever frequency something is better than nothing make sure you develop a role-playing practice within your organization in order to make things better there's case studies that you can buy online today from harvard to help you to get through those negotiations, to help you understand multi-party negotiations, to help you understand how to approach certain businesses. All of that's going to be critical in making sure that you're ready. The vast, in fact, no business that I've ever worked with prior to coming on board has ever had a role play practice in place, which is insane because we know that Practice is the mother, mother of all skill. Right? Repetition is the mother of all skill. The more that you practice, the better you'll get. And yet, no one practices. So put something like that in place, and you'll get better.
1: I I completely agree. For what I do, what I teach, and and as I was uh, cutting my teeth in my companies growing up, you know, we would always practice for demos. Of course, that's really what I what I coach on software demos we would always really hone that in. We would role play it. My team would, would, as they were getting ramped up or as they were learning a new part of the system or a new benefit, something else we would talk about, we would absolutely role play. And not just once, not like, okay, a once over, let's make it, okay, good. No, we would get in there, role play it, find the issues, find the errors, and then do it again. But everybody I worked with said that was the first time they'd done it. And I can't imagine that anyone else does it And to be honest, I've never done it for negotiation. I've only done it for that part of my business. But to think of doing it for negotiation or even any other part of the business that you're interacting with prospects or buyers or customers, I can imagine it can be very valuable. Do you see a a big leveling up of your clients once they do that?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Because they just they start to understand how people begin to respond to things. And you can almost, once you practice it enough, you can start to predict it based on the body language that you're getting. Mm-hmm. So what's what's super weird is that when people start to practice it more, and I know this is sort of ironic, they're like, wow, I didn't know that this is the way that people responded most of the time that I do this. I should write that down. And so mm-hmm. what ends up happening is they start developing little negotiation playbooks, right? Because they're going to do a debrief after the negotiation. If you've taken any of my training, I really focus on that. Do a debrief. And then you start understanding, okay, when I said this, this person responded this way. Or, you know, this is one of the things that I thought I needed in this negotiation, but it actually turned out to be not that big of a deal because I got this thing in return. So they, you start to see patterns that start to arise, and you can start to develop a playbook that really helps you in your future negotiations.
1: I love it. I love it. I think it's such great stuff. Uh, this, is, this is really awesome, Mark, and I'm so glad that you've come on. But how should our audience contact you or, or, or learn more about what you're doing?
0: Easiest way to reach me is on our website at www.negotiations.ninja, or just reach me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm very available on LinkedIn. Just shoot me a message if you want to chat personally.
1: Perfect. You heard it here, folks. Get your negotiation skills up. It's going to help a ton. Mark, thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Matt.
1: Absolutely. It was great. And for everybody else, we will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Sastry in the Making. Join us next
1: episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation.